It's time for the Plant Doctor segment on Real World Garden. On the line, I've got Steve Falciona from Eco Organic Garden. How are you today, Steve? I'm very well, Marianne. Oh, good to hear. And today we're talking about brown rot in stone fruit. And the reason I mentioned it, because I have two dwarf peach and nectarines in pots. And for the first time ever, I found that when I picked the fruit, they started to rot for no reason whatsoever and no sign of fruit fly because I netted them so I was very proud of myself that no Mm -hmm. fruit fly but this was like a oh no I actually think you're probably incredibly lucky that you haven't had it before given how common it is um, as as a fungal disease so I know it's disappointing but you've probably had a good run and now it's caught up with you yeah now the interesting thing was I have a peach and a nectarine the nectarine showed no signs of that problem, but the peach did. They're next to each other. Well, you know, classic thing of individual plants or varieties, cultivars, whatever, some being stronger than others, slightly different conditions, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But uh, for listeners, brown rot definitely is a common fungal problem across the stone fruits generally. So peaches, uh, nectarines are the two that really spring to mind, but it can be in others as well. Yeah, and when I was doing research on what it is, what is brown rot, I discovered there's two types of brown rot, and one is more severe than the other. One one is um, when it's at its worst, it has these concentric circles of or pustules of fungus, whereas the other one is just kind of like a browning and a sinking of the flesh yeah whenever someone sees it on their fruit whether it's you know the common one or the less common one it's still pretty obvious because you've got brown rotting bits of your fruit when you shouldn't (laughs) but it can also attack the blossoms so in springtime when the trees flower if the if the flowers actually turn brown and wilt then that can be a classic sign that brown rot has gotten in and young stems or shoots can also um, fail if the disease gets in and sort of die back or sometimes exude a bit of gum. So obviously this time of year we're talking about the fruit, but it is worth noting it can affect the trees earlier on in the season as well. Yes, I think I might have seen a bit of sap and I have noticed a few stems or twigs dying back, but the blossoms fortunately weren't like you described, but still, say you did notice that, is there then like an alarm bells to start thinking, I need to be doing something? Yeah, so you can, for the shoots, you'd prune off um, any of the the affected bits um, a, a little way back to hopefully remove any tissue because what you don't want is for the fungus at that stage to complete its life cycle and create more spores because you don't want spores nearby once the fruit starts forming to get infected as well. So trying to remove any suspect tissue uh, is a good thing. It's a little bit trickier with the flowers because normally you would say that you should spray at bud swell to try and kill off any spores that are floating around. If you were to spray the flowers as they're open, I'm just not sure whether you might impact on pollination. So that's a little bit trickier. Yeah, that's an interesting, I mean... Dilemma. 
Yeah, that, mm. and it, it it would seem like it might interfere with pollination. Yeah, but the thing to to at least be thinking about now is that uh, you can have fruit forming or being you know very close to harvest given the time of year, and it look really perfect, and this fungal disease can strike super quick. So. You, it can look great today and tomorrow you come out and you see the beginnings, you know, a little tiny brown spot. Give it a couple of days and that brown spot will have grown really large to the point where it can start taking over the whole fruit. So yeah. people should be very vigilant at this time of year. Exactly how you describe it. With the, when it's not quite ripe, it looks perfect. And as soon as it starts to ripen, then, mm-hmm. then it either falls off or, um, yeah, you pick it and go, oh, what the hell? <laughs> And the, the frustrating thing it can also be that you pick a fruit that looks perfect and you leave it in your fruit bowl and the disease can form then as well. So you can ruin the fruit before you get a chance to eat it. Yeah, yes, exactly how you describe it. It's like, ah, mm. <laughs> and you didn't mm. even have to be here. <laughs> yeah, apparently yes. the green fruit's got some kind of inhibitor. As the fruit ripens, the sugars make the infection become more active. Something like that. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. But yeah. hmm, perhaps the fungus just likes the sugars more than sort of starchy material, and that's what gets it going. Perhaps. Yeah. I'm just guessing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably yeah. a good educated mm. guess, I would think. So we've got this problem. So for next year, and for people anywhere, whether they've got trees in the ground or trees in pots, what's our plan of action? Well, it's worth noting that the disease is worse during wet and humid conditions. So for people on the east coast of the country, we've had a very wet spring and continue to have, most of us anyway, quite a humid and fairly wet summer. So that could also explain why you've got it this time, whereas before you haven't. Uh, So anyone sitting in that environmental kind of condition, they should be watching their fruit very closely and they can spray as a preventative. It's uh, at the moment you're looking usually at copper or sulphur sprays as, as prevention um, and to cover cover the trees. Just follow the instructions on the products that you choose to make sure you use it at the right rate because obviously you don't want to damage your fruit. Um, as, you know, as the fruit gets larger and riper, it's more susceptible to being damaged by sprays. So just be careful with that. However, for future crops, there's things to think about and, you know, they're around hygiene, the classic things that we talk about with fruit trees or veggies too, but about trying to improve airflow through the plant. So pruning, so you've got a, a more open canopy, less congestion through the centre of the tree so that when it does rain, the air can move through and dry out the fruit faster to reduce the likelihood of um, the disease taking hold in future seasons. So that's a big one. I just did a lot of talking, so I should breathe and. <laughs> so okay, so really, the best thing is preventative spraying, for, is what I'm getting, and I, I would imagine you'd want to use a range of fungicides so you don't build up some kind of resistance. Look, I've never seen anything written around that for this particular disease. I mean, that's the logical approach to yeah. to rotate sprays. Um, and you could rotate. So in winter, when the trees are dormant, you could spray with lime sulfur. I'm wary of lime sulfur any other time of year because it can burn easily. But when they're dormant, you could spray and then that could um, help reduce any spore count that's, that's hanging around on the bare branches. 
And then when the tree is in leaf, you could look at a copper or a sulfur, a wettable sulfur spray. There's bicarbonate sprays in the commercial space, potassium bicarbonate. They're registered for brown rot too, but they're not registered for home garden sprays at the moment. So that's something to think about. Looking at keeping the trees well fed so that they've got enough nutrients to be healthy and, and relatively stress-free is an important thing too to think about. Oh, and hygiene. Sorry, we should have said this at the first, yeah. <laughs> at the outset. So cleaning up any fruit that falls, removing any dried fruit, the mummies that may form on the tree that you may have missed, keeping all of that off the tree uh, will go a long way mm. to make a difference. I guess uh, prune the trees for good airflow. I think you mentioned that, but so that at yes. least you get sunlight too. If, you're, you, if you've got trees in ground that you get about, oh, you know, you get sunlight through to the ground. Uh, it's a bit different in a pot. You can't really measure that so easily, I think, but I know yeah. what they mean, yeah. Yeah, and also for, particularly for trees in the ground, just consider the trees around your fruit trees, whether any of those have grown up and gotten too big and perhaps need to be pruned back to open up the area overall and improve airflow and sunlight. Uh, just another thing to take a look at. And I guess there's one other thing. If you have a lot of fruit on your tree, sometimes not all fruit gets infected but those when they touch each other as they become ripe then they can just pass the infection from one fruit piece of fruit to the other and uh well it's going to be the fungal spores that will float float from one to the other so it could be an argument for thinning out the fruit crop as it develops earlier in the season so that there's a bit of a better airflow depends really whether you've got the kind of tree that you know produces loads and loads and it, it's going to help to reduce some of it because then you'll get slightly bigger fruit anyway. Uh, or you, someone might have a tree that doesn't really produce that many anyway. So thinning may not really make much difference. Indeed. Well, there we have it. That's brown rot of stone fruit. Once again, Steve, it's been wonderful chatting with you on Real World Gardener. My pleasure.